You know, when you turn a, a TV show on, like streaming service or whatever it is, there's usually that kind of disclaimer that comes across. This is TVMA for, for adult content and violence and nudity and whatever else might be. Right? Some shows need that because parents don't want their children to watch something that is inappropriate. Maybe you need to be warned that maybe we shouldn't be watching this. Right? You're all familiar with these kind of warnings. Well, the, the book of Hosea deserves a, a disclaimer of a warning like that. Because really the story of Hosea from especially the first three chapters is, is really rated R. In fact, you could say it's rated MA. Um, I've tried my best to tone down a little bit some of the content that's found here without compromising the truth or, or sacrificing the lesson that God is using uh, the life of Hosea and his relationship with Gomer to teach. But at a certain point, there is no getting around the fact that concepts like prostitution and adultery and selling yourself for sex, that those things are all part of these first three chapters of Hosea and a big part of the object lesson that God is using Gomer and Hosea's relationship to teach us. So I just wanted to give you that fair TVMA warning for what is going on in Hosea chapter 3. I just don't want you to be shocked by, by what comes up here. And it's also part of the truth of God's word. Um, so that means we shouldn't avoid it when it does come up. When you read through the first three chapters of Hosea, and especially chapter 3, which we just heard read a few minutes ago, it really leads you down a rabbit hole of questions that are, are just begged to be asked. And I think first and foremost is, how could Hosea, how could Hosea love someone who is so lost in her sin? How could Hosea love someone who by their very definition of lostness has proved themselves to be unlovable? How could a person like Hosea forget the abandonment, forget the hurt, the betrayal? How could he love somebody when all possibility of love seems to have ceased and it's thrown out the window? How could Hosea be filled with the kind of energy and effort that it takes to relentlessly pursue somebody who is supposed to be his wife and for all intents and purposes is probably going to do the same thing again? God tells Hosea, go again and show love to your wife, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Marital unfaithfulness, abandonment, adultery, a clear breaking of the sixth commandment. Biblically speaking, from God, Hosea has every right to file for a divorce, to say, see you later, I want nothing to do with you, but that's not what Hosea does. He listens to the command that God gives him to go and show love again to your wife. Go again, Hosea. So Hosea goes and finds the man that she's with. He buys her for 15 pieces of silver and a couple bushels of barley, and he says to her, you're going to be my wife again. You are to live with me many days. You're not to be a prostitute. You're not to be intimate with any other man. And I will treat you in the same manner. Hosea went again and showed love to his wife, who was a prostitute. But how could he? How could he show love to somebody like that? Love to somebody who is so lost, who has proved themselves unlovable. To really understand that, or get an answer to that question, you've got to go all the way back to chapter 1 in Hosea. Now, Hosea was anointed to be the prophet of God to the northern ten tribes of Israel. And normally when God anointed a prophet to go and speak to his people, he not only gave them a location, but he gave them words to speak. And this is true of Isaiah. He told them, you're going to go to Israel. 
you're going to be my prophet. But with Hosea, he gave him an additional instruction, one I think that probably sent a little bit of shock to him. Go and take a prostitute for a wife. That was his instruction. Go and marry a whore is what it was. And so Hosea does this. He goes and marries a, a prostitute named Gomer, son of Dibbaline. And as a result of their marriage, Gomer and Hosea have three children who also serve as, their, whose names serve as object lessons to the, the people of God. The first one is named Jezreel, named after the location in Israel where theft and murder took place just to take a little bit of land. The second child was named Lo Ruamah, which means in, in Hebrew, which means not loved. Imagine naming your child not loved. Third child, Lo Ami, not my people. These are Hosea and Gomer's three children. Jezreel, not loved and not my people. Well, eventually Gomer does what you'd expect a person of, of Gomer's standing to do. We're all familiar with how sinful hearts work. Ezekiel describes the sinful heart in this way, the prophet. He says uh, the sinful heart is like a dog who returns to its vomit, right? It just can't help itself. And this is what Gomer does. After a while, she abandons her husband who loved her, her children who loved her. And she goes and prostitutes herself out to another man and loves him. How could Hosea? Uh, yeah, how could Hosea? How could Hosea, when the Lord tells him to, to go and show love to your wife again, knowing what he knew, that for in all likelihood that she was going to do the exact same thing that she just did, that she was going to abandon him again, even after he takes her back. There's one piece to the puzzle that we haven't quite looked at yet in this whole thing. Now, we know that Hosea was a prophet who was sent to speak the truth of God's word to God's people. But the one thing we haven't talked about yet was how God was going to use Hosea's whole life for the people of Israel. You see, when God told Hosea to go and marry an adulterous woman, what he was telling him was that you're going to live in a glass house, that your whole life is going to be put on display for all of the people of God to see, and the person that you marry is a picture that I want Israel to understand. Go and show love to an adulterous woman. Go and marry an adulterous woman. In Hosea and Gomer's relationship, Gomer is a picture of what Israel had become a people who belong to God, a people who should have loved God for everything that they did, and yet they prostituted themselves out to the worship of other gods. And you, you stand there and you wonder, like, how could not just Hosea love somebody like this, but, but how could Israel do the things that they did? Right? Think back over Israel's history. God literally gave them everything. When they were enslaved in Egypt, he gave them freedom. When they were hungry in the desert, he gave them food. When they were homeless, God procured for them a homeland. When false prophets came and were preaching against the word of God, God sent prophets with his true word to speak and plant the truth in their hearts. When, when, they were, when, they were, when foreign powers were threatening them to threaten the people to take away their lands, God raised up kings and warriors and armies to defend them. Even at this point right now, when, when Hosea is, is ministering to the people of God in Israel, Israel is at a point where they are so powerful that world powers are, are thinking twice about messing with them. And yet after all of this, Israel continued to live in a state of spiritual abyss. 
Sure, they worshiped the one true God when it was convenient for them, but because of the poor leadership of the kings that they had and also the priests that they had, they became syncretistic. You know what that word means, syncretistic? When it came to their religious life, what they did was create a mixed bag of gods to worship. So instead of just worshiping the one true God, they mixed gods together, including the gods of Baal and a fertility god named Astrith. And this is what they did. They worshiped God when it was convenient, the one true God, mostly when they needed help for some bigger problem that all of a sudden these false gods couldn't fix. But, but they were contented with just prostituting themselves out to foreign gods. And so you wonder, not just how could Hosea love a prostitute named Gomer, but how could God love a people who prostituted themselves out to foreign gods? It's easy for us with per the perspective of time and history to shake our fingers and, or wag our fingers and shake our heads and click our tongues in disgust at Israel and even at Gomer for their sinful actions. But at a certain point, when you read through a text like Hosea chapter 3, that finger wagging and head shaking has got to turn back on our own hearts. Because in Israel and in Gomer, we're given a picture of our own hearts. Hearts that so easily, sometimes without even realizing it, prostitute themselves out to the worship of other gods. But strictly speaking, to worship something means that, that you are ascribing worth to it. I think a lot of you have heard me use that definition before. To worship something means that you are ascribing worth to it. And when you ascribe worth to something, that is something that you see as important and valuable. We've all got a hierarchy in our hearts for things that are important and valuable, and when they hold a high place in your heart, that means you are ascribing worth to it, which means that you worship it. And when you plumb the depths of, of what you ascribe worth to, it doesn't take long to figure out what the kind of gods that are that exist in your heart, the gods that we tend to stray off after and worship. Maybe for you, it's you're caught up in consumerism in materialism, in, in chasing after the things that the world says is important, and, and you'll do anything you can, that you can to possibly get it, right? That, that can so easily be a God that we worship. Maybe you're caught up in status. You chase after status so that people will see you as more important or more valuable, and, and status is a God that you worship. Maybe for you, it's your own spirituality. Right, thinking that, that sitting here and worship on a Sunday morning and, and going through the act of worship, singing hymns and praying, that, that, that those things make you instantly better than at least than those who aren't here. And so your own spirituality becomes this thing that you ascribe worth to, this thing that you worship. It doesn't take long for us to figure out who the gods are that we tend to chase after. And so you wonder, how can we? And really, it only takes one. It only takes one of these gods, be it status or, or consumerism or your own spirituality. It only takes one of these things for your hearts to be distracted. And when your hearts are distracted, do you know the one thing, spiritually distracted that is, do you know the one thing that we aren't doing? We aren't giving God the one thing that he requires. Really the only thing he's demanded from us. Unadulterated worship. To worship him and him alone as the true God of heaven and earth. So the question when you, when you read through these texts is not, not so much how could Hosea love Gomer or how could Israel do such things, but how can we? And then how can God love someone who is 
so prone to becoming lost in sin like me? How could God love somebody who, by the very definition of lostness, has proved himself to be unlovable? The answer to that is found wrapped up in the relationship with Hosea and Gomer. You see, when God tells Hosea to go and go again and to show love to your wife, though she is an adulteress and, and loved by another man, God doesn't just instruct him on what to do. He instructs him on how he is to do it. Love her like the Lord loves the Israelites. Love her like the Lord. Right, so in Hosea and Gomer, we're not just given a picture of what our own hearts look like when we prostitute ourselves out after after other gods, but we're given a picture, a portrayal of what our God is really like. The God who loves when all possibility of love seems to have ceased. The God who, who loves those who are lost and, and seeks them with all his heart. The God who loves and who loves and who loves and who loves. In, in this relationship where God is portrayed as the, the injured husband who forgives the unforgivable, in this account, God is portrayed as, as the father who's, though his heart recoils because of sin, he, his heart fills with tender love and compassion. He's portrayed as the healer who hurts himself to procure a love that never ceases to exist. Gomer abandoned Hosea. And yet Hosea went and he loved her like the Lord loves the Israelites. The Israelites abandoned God and prostituted themselves out to the worship of other gods. And yet the Lord continued to love them with a love that never ceases. You and I, we, we chase after these other gods that we find in our hearts. And yet God continuously seeks after those who are lost and he finds them. He loves them, and he loves them, and he loves them. And sure, in Hosea and Gomer, you get a partial picture of all of this. But if you want the complete and full picture of the, the lengths that God is willing to go to find you and to love you, then you need to look at how God is in the flesh. You need to look at Jesus. You and I, we, we get lost all the time. And, and the way that Paul talks about it, when we were still sinners... While we were still lost, God took on human flesh. God came into this world. And God bought you back from your lostness. And it cost way more than 15 pieces of silver and a few bushes of barley. It cost him his blood and his life. That was the price that God paid to bring you back from your lostness. That is how God can love and love and love and love and love and never stop loving you. Even when you wander off and stray after other gods, he continues to love you because his son stands in your place. And he says, I love him. This is how I show it. And then God says, you know what this love is like. So return to me. Stop being lost. Return to me and seek me. And do you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that I promise you things that are real and true. Things that are far bigger and far better than anything some false God could offer you. Seek me and you're going to find true peace. Seek me and you're going to find purpose. Seek me and you're going to find forgiveness. Seek me and you're going to find love. 
and you're going to experience what that love is like, and then you're going to experience what it's like to love other people like that. Because in the end, that's kind of the question that we're after today. How could Hosea love somebody who is, who is so lost? How can we? In our lives, we have all know what it's like to, to bear the pain of somebody hurting us. We know what it's like to be abandoned, to have our scars marked, or hearts marked with the scars, the cost of loving somebody. And the natural thing for us to want to do is to get retribution and revenge for the way in which they hurt us. The natural thing for us is to say, I'm not going to love them anymore. They ruined every chance of that. But in Hosea, in God, in God's son, you see the other side of that coin. You see love. And it's only standing in the light of God's love that you and I learn what it is like to actually love somebody, not out of necessity or contingency, but simply for the sake of the love that God has shown you. So here's what I want you to, to do this morning. I want you to think about that person. That person who hurt you deeply. That person whose name is engraved on your heart because of the pain that they caused. And, and what I want you to do is Forgive them in the sight of God. And then I want you to go and love them. I know to you that seems like an impossibility. But now with God, I want you to love them with that, that kind of love that never ceases. To love them with that, that love, even when that love seems like an impossibility, to forgive them and to love them continuously. And it's not it's not just with that, that person who hurt you in the past. What I want you to, to do moving forward, and this is my prayer for all of us, is that from now on, anytime that somebody hurts you, that your first reactions are not retribution. It's not retaliation. It's not holding them at an arm's length and trying to, to keep on punishing them and heaping guilt on them. My, my prayer is that your first reaction next time somebody hurts you is to forgive and to love. When somebody hurts you, forgive them. When somebody abandons you or causes you pain, love them and love them and love them and never stop loving them because, because this is what people who are forgiven and loved by God do. They forgive and they love and they never stop. Amen? Amen.